You are listening to the Lennox Podcast. The podcast is created by two brothers to discuss their tragic loyalty to the New York Knicks. Passions may boil into explicit content. This podcast is not for the faint of heart. Today's episode is brought to you by rotopros.com. Rotopros.com is a site built by daily fantasy sports players for daily fantasy sports players. They have everything you need to become a profitable player with unique content, customizable tools, and a team of experts ready and eager to help you strategize. This is more than just an information service. It's an interactive community, and they want you to be a part of it. Click the link in our bio for $10 off your first month subscription. Enjoy. heading your way as Michael joins us live in the recording studio of the Lennox podcast. Happy to be here. In the city adjacent to the Silicon Valley of the Midwest, Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. Michael, how are you enjoying your time in Indianapolis? Well, Indianapolis is okay, but I'm dying to talk about Carmel, Indiana, Uh, a.k.a. the Silicon Valley of the Midwest. Everybody knows that. Everybody's talking about it. I mean, it's a hotbed issue. I mean, you said this place is I don't know why it's an issue. You say, I mean, it is booming out of control. This place is looking, you know, you're expecting Hoosiers. You're getting San Francisco. It's just, there's buildings, there's structures. It's going on all over the place. We'll get to it. I mean, we'll probably talk more about your Indiana trip, but first and foremost, I mean, we're recording live on uh, Friday at around 11.40 p.m. Again, post-draft, and we got this music dropping to you. Michael, what do you have on this music that we're playing for our friends of the podcast right now? Everybody should know. This is the old intro music to MSG when they announced the starting lineups from the 90s, the early 2000s, and it got us hyped before the game, made it seem like it was the most important thing in the world. It was original. It was classic. And now MSG plays these dumb pop pop music to introduce the Knicks, so... The music, as you all know, it's our nonviolent protest to James Dolan and his comrades to bring back the classics that we diehards love and cherish. Unfortunately, we cannot control the music played at MSG, but we can control the music that is played on our own podcast. And that's why we bring back these classics that all real diehard Knicks want to hear. We do it for you. We do it for you. And as we always say, stand up for something or fall for anything. We will stand with the music to bring it back to MSG. I don't want. I, I don't. Want, I don't want. To, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But I don't want to lose much time talking about the music because we have a lot, a lot of, of stuff to cover. It's finally, you know, hot med issues that are sweeping Knicks Nation. I want to jump right into it with a sound clip. When we. Uh, uh, Everybody knew our stances leading up. Everybody that follows the podcast knows how we felt going into the draft. And then we heard this. With the ninth pick in the 2018 NBA draft, the New York Knicks select Kevin Knox from the University of Kentucky. Just the opposite of what we wanted to hear last night. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. <laughs> very, uh, that, that was good. That was, good, good. You know, it's good. very, uh, you know, right yeah. now it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Relevant. That's well, the word I was looking relevant. for. There very relevant. Um, so, Kevin Knox, Mike. I'm, I'm going to let you take the first jab at him. Now that Kevin Knox is actually going to be a New York Knickerbocker, I'm going to give you the honors of your first jab at him. Because it's going to be the first of many, I'm sure. Well... With Knox, we all know my stance before him in the draft. I'm starting to think that he is a guy I could talk myself into. I keep trying to, but I'm having a tough time doing it. 
I'm a Kentucky basketball guy. I like Calipari. I like how he takes advantage of the system. I like how he's his whole motto is, you know what? I'm going to take your kid and I'm going to make him an NBA player. Like, we win a championship, we win a championship, we're going to try and win. But, you know, my goal is to make you an NBA player. And I like that because, you know what, the NCAA is bullshit. That's what these kids care about in the long run, and he tries to set them up for that. So I usually like Kentucky prospects. Last year I would watch Kentucky. Um, you all know my stance on Malik Monk if you've been following us for a long time. I loved Malik Monk in college. He's an unstoppable force of nature, as I nicknamed him. Him and De'Aaron Fox jumped off the screen. Kevin Knox, on the other hand, I want. I watched Kentucky this year. I watched him in particular with the intent on liking him. I knew it was him and both Bridges played the position that we needed. They were the guys in that range. Kevin Knox, he just never did it for me. He is a one-dimensional scorer. He shot the ball inefficiently this year. And his game was just not well-rounded all around. So people are starting to bring up Paul George comparisons, all this Kawhi Leonard stuff. People don't. People got to remember, Paul George came into the league as a defensive-minded player. It was Danny Granger getting the buckets. Paul George was the young defensive-minded player on the Pacers. Kawhi Leonard was a young defensive-minded player on the Spurs. Uh, Jimmy Butler, young defensive-minded player on the Bulls. And their offensive game built off that. See, that's a great point, and I'm glad you brought that up because we were two guys— Last year, when the Knicks selected Frank Nielikina coming out of France, that were pretty pretty happy with the pick. I mean, I wanted Dennis Smith Jr. more. I I, I can admit that, but I was still very happy with Frank. You wanted Malik Monk more. Well, he's an unstoppable force. He's an unstoppable force of nature. Future MVP. But it's something about these guys who are defensive mind at first. First of all, Frank Nielikina had the size. So does Kevin Knox. That's fine. But the defensive minded player is that that's such a hard mindset to teach. I feel like offense is a much easier thing to teach totally. at the NBA level, which is why you see a lot of these defensive players get an offensive game. Kevin Knox is coming in as an offensive player. I'm not saying it's impossible for him to develop a, a good defensive game, but I'm going to say it's going to be a much more bigger uphill battle than seeing Frank Nielikina average 15 to 20 points sometime in his career. Yeah, and you know everyone's saying Knox is raw and he could develop that, but you know he is raw, but it's not like any of these other prospects aren't raw. And like you said, with Frank, you know, we understand that he's raw. We were preaching this last year with Frank Nielikina. He's raw. You got to give him time. But Frank has these alternative skills besides scoring the ball. He's already one of the best pick and roll perimeter defenders in the league. He's got outstanding court vision. Those are things that are going to help him in his NBA career. The things like shooting the ball, getting confidence, driving, you know, working his ball handling, taking the lane. Those are things that could be improved on over time. Knox, on the other hand, he's going to come in the league as a, you know, a defensive liability. He's going to have a tough time guarding fours down low. He's not going to be able to stay with the threes in the perimeter. He, you know, he's not a guy like Paul George who came in the league as a defensive-minded player. He's not a guy who's going to distribute the ball. He did not show that at Kentucky. It's easy to say, oh, he's going to develop this over time. He's young. All these prospects are young. They all have different strengths, and they all have different weaknesses, and that's what you do when you scout players. You don't just magically assume somebody's going to develop a part of his game that he doesn't have just because he's 18 years old. It seems like the guys that want to buy into Kevin Knox, and I'm one of them. I want to buy into Kevin Knox, but it seems like these guys that are spin-zoning it so hard in their head are just saying he's 18 years old, his potential's through the roof. That is their only argument in the pro-Knox category. The fact that because he's 18 years old, his potential is through the roof. Mm -hmm. But my argument is, is that if you studied his game, if you watched him in Kentucky, you would see that his that he definitely has a ceiling, and that ceiling is a lot lower than guys that were available in yeah. that pick. And meanwhile, he's so raw, even in his offensive game, even though he's an offensive-minded player, that his floor is also lower. So the risk and the reward and the and the bust and everything that's considered makes him so much worse. Now, do you want to get into um, the, the people that we passed up for? Well, well Knox's floor is extremely low. It's if extremely he, he low. Improve, for, for a nine pick, it's extremely if low. If he can't improve on his scoring, which is his standout attribute, there's nothing else that's going to keep him there. Um, no doubt. As a positive, uh, uh, listen, I could get behind a scorer. If not, you know, Knox is a bucket getter. I get behind him. One of my biggest problems with Knox that I want to go over is that, like, 
he's not like Malik Monk. You know, if he was a scorer and he was like Malik Monk's mentality where he was just attacking everybody and he wanted to, he had that Kobe Mamba mentality and he just wanted to take the big shots and kill everybody in the court. I could be more confident in that, that he's going to go out there and he's going to develop that and he's going to just be a killer scorer. Knox, though, is so fucking passive. It drives me crazy watching him. When I watched him in their Sweet 16 loss to Kansas State, Beasley's yeah, own yeah. team, uh, ironically, because Beasley has that mentality. Yeah. But, like, he was looking for Shy Gilgis Alexander to do everything. When his shot isn't falling, he disappears. When his shot is falling, he's still, you know, not looking to take over. That's something scary to me. If you're drafting a scorer and he lacks a scorer's mentality, it, it, it screws everything up for me because that's his biggest strength and that's such a weakness in that department. Yeah, I, I just feel like for, for a Knicks team, for a Knicks fan base that has watched Carmelo Anthony for the past close to you know five, six years or so, mm-hmm. um, and I love Melo, you love Melo, we think that he was an outstanding scorer, but there was a lot of Knicks nation that really got fed up by his ball dominance and how, my, how much he took shots, inefficient shots. Knox is a much worse version of that, and he is going to drive people crazy unless he completely capitalizes on this 18-year-old potential. It's, so, so let's just hope for the I, best. I, for me, you know, watching him scouting him and listen obviously I could be wrong I've been wrong before NBA scouts have been wrong these guys are all you know projects anything could happen but I said it before I don't see him being anything more than like an athletic Tobias Harris to me it's very reminiscent of you know when the Knicks drafted Danilo Gallinari as a project and that we had to work through that and he never quite you know he got traded obviously he never materialized to everything we we expected him to be I still think Gallo was a good pick in that situation but this is like picking Gallinari if there was much better players. And that, that's a great segue for what we're gonna, for what I ultimately wanted to get into because when we picked Knox at nine, we were adamant in saying if you want Knox, that's absolutely okay. If if the Knicks were hell bent on drafting Knox, fine. But he was not even close to the best player available at nine, which is part of our beef with Knox. We passed on guys like uh, Michael Porter Jr., Macau Bridges, Lonnie Walker, Miles Bridges, who we all had higher on our draft uh, list. You're forgetting one. Who am I? Oh, the big ragu. The big ragu. Dante DiVincenzo, of course. But then you're you're looking at these guys, and yeah, Michael Porter Jr., chronic back injuries, and uh, that's definitely a question mark. Could sit out the whole year. If he sits out the whole year in a Knicks uniform, so what? We have our draft pick next year. Him and Kristaps gone. We'll probably be the worst team in the league. We'll probably end up with a top three pick. That's whatever. Miles um, Bridges. There's rumors that you know Kevin Knox bested him in a one-on-one workout. But is a one-on-one workout really going to overlook the body of work that somebody has put That's in? That's just another thing. To me, it just seems like the Knicks were so suckered by the pre-draft workout phase. And the measurements. When I when the measurements and the physical attributes, the body fat, the standing reach, all that bullshit kind of came out. First thing I saw, or not the first thing I saw, first thing was Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. <laughs> Bamba. I'm not going to take it away from Mo Bamba. But one of the things that stood out to me was was Kevin Knox. I, I remember on my blog that I go to on Nike Talk, when, I, when it came out, I'm like, wow, Kevin Knox's measurements are actually really good. I wish I liked him more as a prospect. Yeah. So you have that going for him. And then he has one workout where he might have bested Miles Bridges. That's the rumor going out right now. Who, you know, who knows? He probably did. But, you know, you're going off of one game. Like, I hate when team it's such a classic trap that teams fall into it's proven over time it's like the guy's a workout warrior they call him you know you have one outstanding game in front of NBA scouts you have some good measurements and that makes up for a college career where you don't show anything that like even resembles that you're as good as Miles or Macal Bridges I mean Kevin Knox sure he's two years younger than Macal Bridges but he's not better than Macal Bridges at anything his and it's not, is, it, it, it's not even close, really. Like, Miles Bridge, uh, Mikhail Bridges is a much, 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 much better defender. He is a better scorer. He was more versatile scoring. Mm-hmm. He was... He would take it to the basket with more viciousness. I mean, I, Mikhail Bridges, to me, I think Mikhail, in terms of refinement, I think might have been the most NBA we're, we're player. We're talking about upside. I honestly think Mikhal Bridges and, and had more upside I, than I, Kevin Knox. Like, we're on the same team that Luka Doncic was the most NBA player. We'll get to Doncic. We'll, we'll get to Don, Doncic. Doncic. We got to get used to that. Sorry. We've been calling him Doncic for a... Sorry, KP. You're dumb. Uh, <laughs> but that Luka Doncic was the most NBA-ready player. But trailing him, I would argue that... 
Mikal Bridges was the second most NBA ready player. I think Mikal Bridges is like ready to step in and roll right now. And when I was talking about the guys before, the Paul Georges, the Jimmy Butlers, the Kawhi Leonard's, that's why I think Mikal Bridges' upside was higher than Kevin Knox because he already has the defense down. But what we saw him do as a, as a scorer improve the volume of his scoring while you know improving the efficiency as well it shows me that his scoring is just beginning to be untapped yeah he already was able to have games where he was scoring 20 plus outstanding field goal percentages and then when you watched him in the big east tournament you saw him for the first time like start to Create off the dribble, you know, cross over and shoot a like three, ISO, attack the basket. Just a really refined so offensive That's game. why I think Mikal Bridges is higher potential because he has the defense down, and I could see him taking his offense to the next level in the NBA game. And I think he has the chance to join that kind of company more so than comparing um, Kevin Knox to Paul George just because he's tall, lanky, and has upside because he's 18. No, no doubt. That's a good point. So let's, let's get moving on to uh, uh, past Kevin Knox. We're unhappy. Happy, but at the same time, we're rooting for him. He's on the Knicks now. We have Knicks. no choice. It's not like I have any preconceived notions. I he's a he's a, he looks like a nice kid. He seems like a nice yeah. kid. Hopefully, he does well, and I don't have to hate him in the future. Give, give me a month, I'll talk myself into it. Hey, hey, right? I'll still own it that I didn't like the pick. Oh, forever. absolutely. I'll stand by that forever, just like I stand by that I loved Kevin Kristaps uh, Porzingis. Whatever. It's another story for another day. But I'll always stand by the fact that I didn't like the pick. But give me a month, I'll talk myself into it. Do you have it. any last words that you want to say to Kevin Knox? Um, good luck. Go back to Cincinnati. All right, so let's move on from our first round pick to our second round pick. And to me, it was a big time 180 because was not happy with the ninth pick. But at the, in the second round with the 36 pick, the Knicks selected uh, Mitchell Robinson. 36 pick in the 2018 NBA draft. The New York Knicks select Mitchell Robinson from Chalmette, Louisiana. Now, Mitchell Robinson, he is a very interesting character because he was a borderline lottery pick who dropped significantly. Why why don't you take the first jab here? We're going to get started on talking to him. Um, What do you got on Mitchell Robinson? I like the Mitchell Robinson pick. I said it on our social media at the underscore Lennox, at the underscore L-E-K and I-C-K. Bad Boys Renegade guys social media. (laughs) Quick. (laughs) Um, Anyway, Mitchell Robinson, I love gambling on his upside. I think that, you know, he was... Basically, a you know all American. Obviously, he was number eight, uh, seven in the country, one spot ahead of Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, he was going to Western Kentucky, which is kind of a wild card school. So I kind of respect that. Yeah, already. that's cool. Um, Who's that? The Hilltoppers. Hilltoppers. And, yeah. and, and you know what? Courtney Lee, Courtney graduate, Lee, Western Kentucky alum. Um, he quickly de- like dropped out of Western Kentucky. Decided that he was going to trained for the NBA draft because he was already enrolled at Western Kentucky. He was not allowed to take the G league route. So um, he had to sit out the year from playing basketball training, you know, at a facility while obviously working on his game. It's not like he just took the year off doing nothing. And he was still projected to be in the late twenties range. I projected that he would be somewhere in the late teens, early twenties, just because as I've mentioned on this podcast, the, after the, 15 or so picked the draft slips um, considerably. And I thought a team in the first round would gamble on Mitchell Robinson's upside. Um, But then he canceled his pre-draft workouts and that I think kicked him out of the first round. But the guy is a huge talent. Um, I don't think there was that many, there were some solid players to pick from, but I really like that the Knicks gambled on upside with this pick. He really has a lot. If he would have played at Western Kentucky, he could have, you know, with his skill set, he could have easily been in the lottery range. I'm 100% with you. I think that when it comes to potential and, you know, you haven't seen much out of a kid, but you want to gamble on potential, do it in the second round. Totally. I will give a second round flyer to a guy with huge upside. And you're talking about how much of a highly touted prospect he was coming out of uh, out of high school. He was the eighth ranked in the nation. He uh, Number right. seven. He was actually one spot ahead of Jaron Jackson and Jr. That's actually a good point because look, look at Jaron Jackson Jr. He really didn't do much in Michigan State. He was a project of Tom Izzo. You know, he blocked the call. He was a good shot blocker, but didn't like contribute that much. But just him being at the floor of Michigan State and you see his 
physical abilities, and you see what he's capable of. He looks that, like a he, he looks like a DeAndre Ayton body, yeah, but more raw. That made him the number four pick in the drafts. He could also shoot the ball. Mitchell Robinson, unless he worked on it, I don't think is a shooter. But you don't think if Mitchell Mitchell Robinson showed up to the NCAA, played a couple games, you're like, wow, look at his potential. Yeah, he could like, be through the roof. He'd be a lottery pick. He, I, I I would debate he would be a top ten pick. I mean, he has great size. I'm, I mean, you see a guy like Robert Williams, who everybody, I mean, we'll, we might get to. I'm not sure if we will. But everybody's going crazy about Boston selecting Robert Williams at 27 when he was easily supposed to be in the lottery. Um, this is a guy who has better size, better athleticism, and probably a better all, all-around yeah. game than Robert Williams. I don't like to, like, make sweeping notions or anything, but I do remember very well when DeAndre Jordan was taken in the draft, and it's a similar situation to that to me. Yeah. DeAndre Jordan did attend Texas A&M, but he was one of the top prospects in the country. He fell for a lot of reasons. It was in the second round, and, you know, similar kind of player with Mitchell Robinson, similar kind of abilities, and, you know, top prospect, and now he fell to the second round. We got more on Mitchell Robinson after we come back from our first break. We will be right back with segment two, so please stay tuned. What is up, Nick Nation? You are back, back with the Lennox Season Two, Episode Thirty Two. There's some serious twos in there. A lot of twos, baby. A lot of twos. Fuck around and get a triple Deuces. double, a double double, double double. Triple well, double is the episode thirty two. You know, it, it's our post draft episode. And Historic. We 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 were mid talk, but before we get into it, talk about that music real quick. Music. Nonviolent protests, you all know. It's an underrated classic right there. It's a, you know, MSG network theme music from the 90s, early 2000s. It's cooling. That's why we use cooling too. Exactly. And uh, all part of our protests and everything that, blah, that blah, goes blah. that that goes without saying let's hop back, let's into, hop back into it we were in the middle of talking about mitchell robinson when we were um when the we were man. when we were finishing up segment one the mystery man the guy who has lottery potential but dropped out of the first round and into our laps at 36 and uh we were kind of talking about his background but i kind of want to get into his game now uh to start segment two so i'm gonna let you get first licks at this one um what stands out to you about Mitchell Robinson what makes you think that he can be an excellent NBA player well um, obviously he's a mystery man so we don't have a lot to go off of the international man of mystery Uh, we don't have a lot to go off on his game considering he hasn't played since high school but obviously he did pretty well in high school he was a top 10 recruit all-american seven foot one he has a nine three wingspan and what I like is that nine three nine three seven three no, nine three wingspan. Nine feet. He's no, a, nine three standing reach. Standing reach. Standing I'm like, reach. what the yeah. f- are you talking My about? My bad about that. Nine three standing reach. Nine three was something. Okay, that's um, absurd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's athletic. He's a big man, and he was a very skilled big man in high school, enough to be a top ten recruit. Like I said, it reminded me of similar to DeAndre Jordan. And what I like about taking a big man is two things. Our big man situation was once a clog. Now it's sort of up in the air. Um, we, Canner and O'Quinn. Every piece we have at big man, more or less, is a question mark currently. Yes. Canner and O'Quinn. Um, you know, we don't know what happens with them. We hope O'Quinn opted out. Um, uh, we hope obviously. That, hope that we'll resign him. Canner, uh-huh. he could, you know, we could leave him. Fine with that. KP's out for the season. So I like taking a gamble on a big man. And in addition to that, I would be a little bit more concerned about Mitchell Robinson if he was a guard or a forward. Um, the thing about big men... It's not. It's a pretty easy position to jump in and contribute at. And what I mean by that, the NBA today has sort of diminished what big men do. You know, you don't need to be a post guy. You know, developing a post game is extremely hard, and it's also pretty non-relevant. I think that if you have relative athleticism and relative size as a big, you'll find your way in this era of the NBA. Exactly. I mean, look at a guy like Clint Capella, and this is a guy who I don't think has any really defining characteristics that make him into a great NBA player. However, if you ask an NBA fan who the big three of the Houston Rockets is, they would say CP3, Harden, and Clint Capella because he's so vital. But it's not like he has a jump shot. It's not like he has a very refined game. He's just a bully. He blocks shots, he cleans up boards, and he gets easy buckets under the rim, and he plays that pick and roll. And 
I think that um, that Mitchell Robinson offers all of those yeah. in terms of uh, becoming a good NBA big man. It's funny because I would say someone like Jahil Okafor is like a more skilled big man than yeah, Clint Capella. Exactly. But someone like Clint Capella is more valuable because if you're an NBA center, if you have two skills, you're an all-star. If you are good at blocking shots and running the floor and being tall and like being a rim runner and like Tyson Chandler sort of thing, that you're you're an asset in the NBA today. Absolutely. So that's what I like about drafting a big man. One, it's a position in need, and two, if we're gonna take a gamble on basically physical attributes and potential, center is the easiest position to get that done. Because if Mitchell Robinson could use his length and athleticism, he can contribute. You know, he can figure the rest as he goes along. And then you also talk about the question. Question marks that you know are with the Knicks currently. Kyle O'Quinn's a free agent. Hopefully, we resign him. Canner might be on his way out. Might opt in. We're kind of hoping he opts out. He could potentially be a day one starter, KP's, which is KP's which is crazy. The season Noah, we've I think Noah will contribute. I, I think we'll, Noah, we'll but you're, Noah's not starting. No, well, obviously not. Uh, yeah, I mean at least not at the beginning of the season. If he comes out with a fire under his ass and he plays his heart out like he did back with the Bulls, you know anything's possible. Um, but I think as a second rounder, which is kind of crazy to say, as a second round gamble. Mitchell Robinson has a chance to start day one for the New York Knicks. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping we have O'Quinn back, and I'm hoping O'Quinn is like the starter. He's the veteran guy. I would hope so. And you know, it's a it's a rebuilding season. O'Quinn is going to be huge in the locker room if he comes back. Um, obviously, I see him as a bench player long term. But with KP out, I could see him being the day one starter. We're probably going to stay next. But uh, you know, Mitchell Robinson, exactly. He could start. He could play a huge role. Um, he is. He has the tools. The most important tools you need for a center, he has. He's the typical modern-day big man, and either he could just be a long-term contributor for us or we could just build up his trade value. And we, if we don't need him when KP comes back or something like that, if he's, like, too good and, you know, we don't want to start two big men, who knows? He could be a trade asset. But, I, you know, I think it was a very smart gamble for the Knicks to take considering where they were at. The way I'm looking at it is that the first-round pick was a Steve Mills <laughs> pick. And the second pick seemed a little bit more savvy, Scott Perry. Well, let's hope so. But let's not forget that uh, Scott Perry was on the Sacramento Kings yeah. All-Star team last year that traded the 10th pick that could have been used on Donovan Mitchell for everybody's favorite dynamic duo. The greatest dynamic triangle duo. and kneecap. But, uh, Harry, Harry Giles and, uh, uh, and Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson yeah. My last point about uh, Mitchell Robinson is that I was texting my friends, I was with you about the 36th pick and Mitchell Robinson was literally the guy I would have chosen with that pick. So yeah. that, I'm happy no, about Mi it. Mitchell Robinson was a big time pick and it's kind of crazy that I'm Almost as excited about our second round draft pick as we are about Seriously, our first round. I'm, I'm kind of borderline pathetic, but at the same time, holds true. You know what? So, faith, baby. Faith, go baby. Knox. Gotta have faith. Go Knox. Go Mitchell. Go Knicks. Yeah. As long as you root for your team, you're a fan. But you can question your management. Absolutely. You I mean, who, who would would we be doing our job as Nick fans if we did not Just question blindly, the management? Yeah. Like, you're we've been fans. I'm 25, you're 27. Pretty much our whole entire lives, our cognitive lives, have been watching a dog shit Nick team that has been ran by James Dolan, and management has screwed us over time and time again with poor decisions. Why should we blindly follow and encourage every decision that is questionable within the organization? Yeah. That would not be doing our trust, part as fans. Trust is earned. It is not given. And, you know, you could like Scott Perry. You could like what he says. You could want to believe in him. But I met Scott Perry. He's a yeah. very nice guy. Is, I like him a lot. The fact is, Scott Perry has not earned trust from this fan base, and Steve Mills has done the opposite. He's earned distrust. Yes. There's nothing that Steve Mills is, should do that makes you believe in him in any way. So, you know, you got to have faith. You got to, you know. Like, like, I like Michael Porter Jr. If we picked Michael Porter Jr. at nine yesterday, I would have loved it, but I would have been like, but Steve Mills is behind yeah. this. I mean, it's, it's like being an American, honestly. Like, you love America and, like, you obviously love your country, but at the same time, like, if you question things the government does, I'm not getting political whatsoever. I'm not a political person, but if you question your government decisions and you think, things are messed up in America and you want to protest something, that doesn't make you a bad American. That's exactly. part of what being American is. It's part of what being a fan is. All right, politician Jones. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on from the Knicks. As I said, we're rooting for the kids. We hope the best happens. Expect the, be uh, expect the worst, hope for the best type of situation. Exactly. You know, we're preparing for disaster here because we're, we're like conspiracy theorists. We're like hiding out in our basement. We have our tinfoil hats on and stuff. I will say about the Knicks offseason so far, they're two for two in decisions I don't like. Yes, physically. Fizdale and Knox. If they, like I said, if they bring back Moutier and not Beasley, and if they let bring back Canner and not O'Quinn, they will officially be 
four for four on decisions that I opposite wanted to yes. make. Yes, and spend a whole bunch of money on free agents that we don't really need. Well, that's a given. That's 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 a given. <laughs> I, I think that's even like the the encouraged Nick fans that encourage everything that the front office does would hate that decision. But as I said, rooting for the kids. Go Knicks. Go orange and blue. Let's move on from stay the faithful, Knicks. You be, that. Stay faithful. Well, that that's for the end. You know, yeah. stay faithful for the end. But. I want to move on and talk about the rest of the draft for a little bit because we did talk about these. Like I got an attachment. I'm a, I've I, listen, definitely attached. I, these guys. I, we, you and I, we're attachment guys. Like when we when we have somebody in our lives, we don't let go very quickly. We have been spending months upon months upon months about talking about prospects for, and and, and now I'm like, I know these That's guys. That's what I hate about when the Knicks have a top <laughs> right? pick. Like I love like, I Malik all, Monk. And it's like, like how it's like uh, Kevin from the Office in the paper airplane contest when he has to like refold his paper airplane. He has a whole stack of like ten trillion paper airplanes. Like how can I choose which one? I love them all yeah, so much. I mean, I, I, when the Knicks have a top pick, when you spend so much time scouting players, not just scouting them like, oh, I like this guy's game, like this guy's game, but like scouting them, like wanting them to be on the Knicks and like building that attachment to them where you hope they're on your team. It's tough to let go. I definitely I, have that. hundred percent. So let's get it kicked off with talking about our number one. And I'm going to not even mention the number one. I'm going to mention the team, the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks. Just the Dallas Mavericks. Night. Got the perfect they won. draft. They won, they, draft they won the draft night. They picked our guy. We had a whole segment for about three months now called Luca Watch. And Luka Watch. everybody knows our affinity with Luca Doncic. And uh Sorry, KP. He is just the heartthrob. His mom is hotter than hell. And he he's just the man. He's the most NBA ready. He has the highest ceiling. I, the way that he went at three, the Atlanta Hawks have to be the biggest suckers on the planet for passing up Luka Doncic for Trey Young. You're Trey Young, who's going to stink. Uh, Michael, I don't know about that. talk about the Mavericks draft night for a second. Yeah, I'm very envious of the Dallas oh, Mavericks my, right I mean, now. We, we are in Indiana, home of the... You know, prestigious Mark Cuban, who is a big friend of the podcast. Yeah, and they all, I'm just going to throw it in there. They also got Jalen Brunson, which is why they won draft night. You know, I think Jalen Brunson is just amazing backup point guard in his career. Like, I think he's got a 10 year career just being like an unbelievable backup point guard. He's so savvy. He's so skilled. He just doesn't have the athleticism and the all around, you know, the shooting, the scoring. But he's crafty. He's very crafty. He's going to be an asset to any team. It'll be an asset to the Mavericks, to Dennis Smith Jr. Like, he's a great compliment to Dennis Smith Jr. But with Luka, you know, they saw their guy. They had their eyes set on him. I think Luka winning the Real Madrid, winning the ACB towards the end, that was like the last push for like, okay, this guy's f***ing for real. Let's go after him. Come on. And also, uh, just a side note, Luka Doncic is going currently as the second favorite to win Rookie of the Year at plus 300. You have to know he's going to win it. I mean, he's won every accolade abroad. Like He is going to retire with so many accolades when it's all said and done. I am so jealous. He's also wearing number 77. 77 is a great number. number. I I feel like he idolized uh, Vladimir Radmanovich. It's like Wayne Gretzky, (laughs) shit, 99. Right. You know, it's it's a a boss number. He's doing his own thing. See, greatness can do what they want. They don't don't play by anybody's rules. Um, Obviously, I love Luka. I think that they, you know, it was smart. They wanted to trade up for him. They got their guy. Um, for as a Knicks fan, I have a, a minor problem at least with Luka Doncic being traded by the Hawks. It it shows me that that pick was it was available. available. Part of why I'm not like livid is because it seems like Atlanta had their eyes set on Trey Young. I don't know. I definitely don't think the Knicks could have offered them yeah. Trey Young. He wouldn't have fell to nine. He wouldn't have fell past Cleveland. Probably in a, um, a number of other teams. But the fact that he was traded means that that pick was attainable. Mm-hmm. Like the Knicks could have done something to get that pick. Like I said, I would have traded this year's pick and next year's pick. Just go all in on Luka Cape. But it's Frank. also a perfect example of how the Knicks kind of screwed up. Like the the Hawks were ready to reach on Trey Young to draft him at three and said they traded back two picks because they knew that Trey Young would still be available there and still got a, another first round protected draft pick from the Mavericks. Kevin Knox was the seventh ranked best player on the on the best available list when he was picked at nine and we didn't get anything yeah, for him. And we seven. I mean, I don't trust Billis's list at all. Yeah, I think it's but bullshit. still. But seventh, seventh, seventh ranked seven's available when you're picking at eighth. I definitely think that the Knicks could have tried some maneuvering, but you know, I think right, stay out of so let's, let's move on to my Michael Porter Jr., a player that the New York Knicks passed up on. He dropped heavily. A lot of questions about the back. A lot of questions about if he's even going to play next season. Goes to the Denver Nuggets. Love the fit there for him. I think that team's going to be an up-and-comer. I mean, they're they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. What, what do you got on a Michael Porter Jr.? Well, he's going to sit out. He could sit out the season. And I don't, you know, 
I have a legit. For me, it's like when the Knicks passed up on Porter Jr. For me, it was you know you pass up on both the Bridges, who I liked more than Knox, and I thought that if you're gonna gamble on an upside score, you might as well gamble on Michael Porter Jr., who's basically like a better version of Kevin Knox almost, um, in terms of just the potential and the upside and the scoring ability. But medical records are tricky. We don't have the medical records. We don't know what the team sees. If it's really like career threatening, you don't know if this guy's ever gonna be a player. It's one I mean, thing. It could be like a Greg Oden yeah, situation. Exactly. It could be Greg Oden. But if, if it's like a Joel Embiid situation where, you know, you have medical records that show maybe the, he, he's going to take care of this injury for a year, but like he's going to bounce back that, with like the Sixers trusted exactly. with Embiid. Like if the Knicks didn't draft Porter Jr. because they thought he would sit out a season, then I have a problem with that. Absolutely. Because, you know, you're not going to fucking do shit this year. You're going to get a high pick anyway. Porzingis is out. Draft Porter Jr. Let him sit for the season like Embiid. Embiid sat out two years. I don't think the Sixers care that much with where he is right now. So if it's a situation like that where like you didn't want him to sit out for a season, I have a problem with that. Yeah. But I'm not going to go crazy on the Knicks for that because we don't know what the medical records are. Back injuries are tricky. You don't want a guy yeah. who's just never going to play. Never gonna yeah, play. it's 50-50. I mean, you see the, the ultimate nightmare in Greg Oden, you know, pair him up with Brandon Roy. I mean, that was just the most cursed Trailblazers team in the history of the world. But you also saw a big-time success story with Joel Embiid. So it could Tricky. go 50-50, but MPJ, I at nine. I mean, we said talk, talk about the Clippers, too, passing him up at 12 and we 13. We thought there was no shot he was going to go to nine. No we chance. Said, we said if he's there, you got to take him. I, I, yeah, and I still stand by it. So Michael Porter Jr., a little bit disappointed to see him passed up no, at nine. It's another just quick note that like maybe the Knicks valued workouts too high. Because yes. he missed their workout uh-huh. because of the injury. Maybe like The Knicks seem obsessed with the workouts. Sucker move. It's a sucker move. So let's move on to another prospect that we loved and adored. And I am talking about the Lon star, Lonnie Walker. Um, you know, this, this is a common trend. You know, prospects that we like, more specifically you, have on your radar. Yes. That get picked up by the Spurs. You had... This year, it's Lonnie Walker. Before him, it was DeJounte Murray. Before him, it was Kyle Anderson. I feel like every year, you're bringing up one sleeper type of guy who's kind of falling a little bit, slipping him in the mid-first round, and the Spurs are like, sitting back, Greg Popovich is sitting back, it's like, teams are dumb, they're going to slip, I'm going to get my guy. And then they they turn into like these usable, nice studs at the NBA level. Yeah, and I think it's also about relative value. I loved Kyle Anderson. I still am a huge fan. I also love DeJounte Murray. I think he could do great things. He sort of reminds me of Frank and like their potential is similar. They're raw. Um, Those guys were both drafted if I believe with the Spurs first round pick when they were at 30. I think they were both 30th picks. This year they had 18th. Lonnie Walker. That's almost unfair to give Popovich 18. Lonnie Walker is a guy I liked for the Knicks at nine. I would have liked it more if they took Lonnie than Kevin Knox, and I'm going to stand behind that. Um, and Lonnie going to 18 to the Spurs, apparently they had their eyes on him all along. I, I think that he could be, if they keep Kawhi, he has a chance to, to succeed right now in the Spurs. That doesn't happen all the time in San Antonio because of their foundation and what they have in place. But the two-guard spot, Danny Green is getting old. They, you know, they lost Jonathan Simmons. Manu Ginobili's retired. He's going to have a spot. I think Donnie, Lonnie Walker with DeJounte Murray in that backcourt is very up and coming. I've said it before. I think Lonnie's game is really going to translate to the NBA better than it does in college. You give him some chance to learn the Spurs ways, look, get coached by a real coach like Popovich, I think if they're, I, like I said, I hate these superlatives like, oh, he's going to be, what did I say before in the first segment? I'm like, oh, like comparing him to uh, DeJa- DeAndre Jordan. I said, like, I hate jumping to those yeah, yeah. conclusions. Like, I hate saying, oh, this draft's Lonnie, I mean, uh, Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell's such a rare occasion. Yes. But I could see Lonnie Walker being like the Donovan yeah. Mitchell this draft. Someone who with potential who slipped through the cracks and he's going to be in a great situation. I, I think I think he's a stud. And he looked so fresh on draft night. I mean, By the, far the one the freshest look. The, all white. The, the hair, all white, the hair. And the also the, 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 the when he got drafted the picture with the hat will go down history. in history as stuff of legends. Not photoshopped. The hat is like 10 feet above his head. Listen, Kawhi Leonard was a 15th pick they traded for. He was great. And I think either Lonnie Walker could pair with Kawhi and be great, or if they trade Kawhi, he, he could be, be the their guy. new guy who's yeah. going to emerge. I, I think he has the swagger for it, for sure, totally. to be an NBA superstar. That's part of it. It's just the swagger sometimes. Right, the, the, the coolness. I, th- this is something that I brought up last year on our podcast, why I like Dennis Smith Jr. He seemed to have that it factor. It's indescribable. They're just cooler than other people. And that's the type of person that you want with the ball in their hands 
happens when the game is on the line. You want the cool, common, collective, just it factor kind of guy. Kind of wa- like me when I'm on when a microphone. When I watched Knox when they lost to Kansas State, I was just getting so fucking angry. Lonnie is like, Lonnie wants it. He yeah. missed the free throw to lose to uh, Loyola in the, in the tournament, which is like heartbreaking. But like, it was a bad situation for him, bad system, but like he wanted it. He's he has that swagger where like he wants to be the guy. I don't think Knox has that. Yeah, I, I agree. So let's move on. And I'm gonna group these two together because we've mentioned them so many times together. Um, because they have the same last name, the Bridges brothers. The Bridges, they'll always um, be connected. The McCall and Miles Bridges connection. I'm just gonna give a quick little rundown. McCall Bridges. Maybe the most heartbreaking story of draft night. Really I don't feel bad for million dollar athletes, but that's as yeah, close as I'm going to get. He literally put millions in his yeah. bank account in one moment, yeah. one night. Yes, millions. But on top of that, he's playing in the city he grew up for, for the team he grew up for, for the team that he grew up across the street playing it with Villanova. His mom works for this situation. Literally, mom works e- for the team. E- e- everything fell into place for McCall Bridges. Gets traded to the Suns while he's in an interview Crazy. about how excited he is to play for the for the Philadelphia. 76ers and Miles Bridges goes to Charlotte. Yeah. Great. And let's talk for a second. The Clippers. Clippers f that up. Clippers to end up with Shaggy Alexander. Atrocious. And Jerome Robinson. For me, that's a disappointing draft night. Terrible. Those two. If the Knicks traded and ended up with those two guys. I mean, think about it. You could have gotten Michael Porter Jr. and Miles Bridges or Miles Bridges and Lonnie Walker. Or, like, or Zaire Smith. Or Zaire yeah, Smith. Who's, they, they literally got two of the most disappointing prospects. Terrible. I mean, Shy, uh, you know, Shy, they need a point guard. Shy is solid, but we're not talking about the Clippers right now. Um, so for Mikal Bridges, I thought that was such a lock for the Sixers. I'm like, they're laughing at the Knicks right now. Um, the trade, listen, I think Mikal Bridges is a great fit for Philly because he's ready to contribute right now and he's young and can develop with them. Zaire Smith's a guy I like a lot and, you know, he could really help defending in the backcourt when they play um, Ben Simmons at the point. So I guess it kind of makes sense. And listen, Phoenix has a young core they're building up. They got Devin Booker. They're badass. You know, they got Josh Jackson. Now they got Aiden. So they got some power and, and Mikal Bridges is is young and he'll develop with that core as at least a role player to Booker and um, do they still have Marquise Chris? Yeah, they still have Marquise Chris. They That's got crazy. you know they could use a point guard. They traded for Alfred Payton. I don't see him, but uh, you know Alfred Payton's not a scorer. They don't really need a scorer at the point because they have enough yeah. scores. So I think Mikal Bridges altogether it was tough. He was literally talking about how much it meant to be in Philly while he got traded. But that team's gonna be serious um, business. You know the Suns are a team to watch. We're not crazy about Aiden. They but they I, might be the Philadelphia 76ers of the really West. They might. And Booker's a stud. We're not crazy about Aiden, but I've said before I think Aiden will be a top tier center. I think he lacks heart, but he has more than enough pieces he's on his team to make up for. He won't be a bust. He's yeah, more he, to he's not like like Okafor, he's not a great defender, but he's better cuz he's more athletic. Um and his game as offensive game is more diverse even though he's not a skilled post player, which really doesn't matter anymore. I like the fit for him and Miles Bridges I, I could keep an eye on Charlotte. Um, Charlotte's gonna be fun. Malik Monk, obviously. You're, I you're never gonna give I'm up. I'm never on gonna Malik give Monk. up on Malik Monk. He could have he could have like a Moutier type of situation and like suck and be on the market. I would die for the Knicks I would to die get him. for I'm, I'm all Malik about Monk. I'm all about Malik Monk. But I do think Charlotte they need to trade Kemba Walker right now. He's gonna leave and it, you know they're building something young. If they could get some young assets for Kemba, you know make it the Malik Monk show at the guard. Get rid of Kemba because he's gonna leave anyway. Miles Bridges is gonna be a force in the break in the yeah. NBA. He's so powerful. He's so athletic. He's versatile. He kind of does. He's a jack of all traits. I would keep an eye on Charlotte and see what they get for Kemba Walker because I think it's inevitable that they trade him right now. No doubt. I agree. And uh, our last but certainly not least prospect, probably the one that will leave me the most heartbroken of the bunch to see next year not in a Knicks jersey. I got to do it, Mike. I got to do it. <laughs> Watching Dante, I usually don't see during the podcast, so watching him do that was was something. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Dante DiVincenzo, the, the big ragu, will not be in a New York Knicks jersey. Depressing, depressing, depressing stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm so upset about I it. I think the only bad thing about his fit in Milwaukee is that, you know, Giannis is about to be outshined. You know, who would have saw that coming? Right? There's going to be a up-and-coming guy. Like, there's going to be a big-time power struggle there. Big-time power struggle. That, that, that's for sure. Like, he's a great fit in Milwaukee. They need a shooter like him. He has potential. Like He is, really has potential. Like, serious potential. He's a shooter. He could take it to the rim. He's he got the highest vertical at the combine. At the very least, he's going to offer you sort of what, like, Villanova gave. Uh, what he gave Villanova. Like, six-man scoring, shooting, athleticism. And they're a team like Villanova where they have, like, Giannis is, like, obviously a Macau Bridges on steroids. They have Chris Middleton, Jabari Parker. You know, Milwaukee's building something, and they're all kind of, like, tall, um, long kind of guys. Athletic. And to, to get um, someone like DiVincenzo who fits in with that, he is athletic, but, he, you know, he's a diverse scorer. I think he's such a perfect fit for Milwaukee. I, I had him going there. That's the team I thought he was going to go to. I thought he was a great fit, and that's where. He but ended but up. nobody won a koozie. We we offered a free koozie I forever. Koozie. Could uh, could guess? Yeah, you you won the koozie. But yeah, Dante Divincenzo, the big ragu. He's going to be a good player. Imagine if Jason Kidd was still there, what he could do with Dante yeah, DiVincenzo. Really, like, develop the rest of them. But they now got Budenholzer, who's basically just as good. That, that's better true. Better I, I forgot Kidd. about Budenholzer. Yeah, he'll he'll develop Dante DiVincenzo. <clears throat> so with that, that's going to conclude our draft talk, at least in the analysis portion of it. When we come back, back. we will be back with everybody's favorite segment. Everybody's favorite segment. Our Let It Rants. My right. My right. So please stay tuned. I'm a Nick fan, I gotta stay true. Yes, I do. Are you down with the orange and the blue? I'm a Nick fan. I'm a Nick fan. I'm down with the orange and the blue. I'm a Nick fan, I gotta stay true. Yes, I do. Are you down with the orange and the blue? I'm a Nick fan. I'm a Nick fan. What is up, Nick Nation? You are back, back. with the Lennox Season 2. Episode 32, and Michael, why don't you just quickly give a quick synopsis of that That music. got me even more hyped than it usually does, just being in the yeah, studio. I mean, we got it on the monitors. It's I blasting. I fucking hyped See, right now, now you know why I'm always so jazzed up in this place. I mean, I'm just feeling it through my bones right now. That, of course, is the classic Go Near, Go Near, Go songs from the 90s. That's from the 96 Go Near, Go Near, Go. Not necessarily the best Knicks team of the 90s, not necessarily the best Go Near, Go Near, Go version of the 90s, but that verse right there just gets me jacked up. It I is. mean, being in the studio plus the big monitors, they're very expensive. They're paid for uh, by, by our sponsors. Yes, I do. I it, it, it. it just gets you all jazzed up, and I'm getting ready to go. But for our listeners that aren't familiar with us, that haven't been listening to the Lennox since day one, they're just tuning in, they want to find a new podcast, they're rinky-tinking their way around, they're just kind of uh, trying to find a new podcast uh, to listen to. They like the Knicks, they just watched a draft, they want to get into it, maybe they bought in on Kevin Knox, and they're not Cannonball guys. I'm going to cut you off real quick, because I noticed a uh, particular absence in the studio. See, I, I'm going to get to that. Oh, I'm going to okay, get to okay. that. Uh, they're not cannonball guys. They just want to dip their toes into the water, and uh, they're just trying to get to the meat of the podcast. So they, uh, so they just skip on forward, and if they just, like, came on right here, where they hear my voice, where, like... <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting, Jake. <laughs> if, if they came in to where they hear my voice right now... I Zazu, our good friend of the podcast, he couldn't make it not, today. Not a friend of the he, podcast. He, not a, he couldn't make it today, and uh, he sends his apologies. But last time when you were, <laughs> but when when you the, were the in fake bird sound voice when out. you were in New York, he was kind enough to leave his impact on our podcast. So he let me film his voice to tell you, our Knicks fans, brothers, our friends of the podcast, what you have if you just clicked on to this moment right here. Impeccable timing, Your Majesty. You, I mean, like he calls me. Your Majesty, every time. So we just thought it's so appropriate. The, I tell him it's too much. So the, the bird that I always say is fake in the corniest part of our podcast just happens to leave one time. He can. Prove I can't believe real. that you have you've been to Indiana now and you're still call, calling it corny, as if corny, as if corn is not the greatest thing ever. It's rocket fuel in the Silicon Valley, of the Midwest. Corn chowder, cream corn, corn on the cob, corn bread. Corn Ain't nothing cop. wrong with can that. Of corn. And <laughs> can of corn, can of corn, and I'll be fine. And if you just clicked on to this part of the podcast, you have impeccable time because you've landed on our Lennox rant. Lennox rant, Lennox rant, and Michael, I know that you are particularly hot about something, so why don't you get us started off here? Yeah, I'm particularly hot about an issue, and I've been really holding back on this one. I almost feel like sad to like talk about this. On it's, the a, it's, it's borderline pathetic. It's borderline pathetic, but it has to come out. But when I'm watching the fucking draft last night, and they're announcing Kevin Knox is the pick, and... 
The first person. The first person they show, and they just latch onto him on the screen, is that goddamn crying <laughs> Knicks fan kid. Jesus Christ. I From day one, that kid just annoyed the hell out of me. And just a backstory for when I was watching 2015 draft. Okay, I, he, here comes Michael the expert I, coming saying, out. It has I to will prove live everybody. and die by my predictions. I wanted KP very badly. It annoyed the hell out of me, all these Knicks fans who I was arguing with, who booed him, that, you know, just booed him because they didn't know his name. For some reason, when it comes to the European prospects, the potential, the rawness, what he could do, that doesn't matter. But if he goes to Kentucky, he's going to pan out. His rawness, yeah, you know, he's gonna capitalize. it changes everything. On the other hand, I do like the booing. I like that Porzingis is going to It's a rite boo. of passage. For, if that was up to me, every single New York Knicks who was picked was, uh, should be booed. It's a sh- it's a sign that you have to earn our trust, our loyalty, our respect. You start out at rock bottom and you work your way up. I like the booing, but the people who boo, I think, are ignorant. So when they showed that kid on the screen with his stupid horn rim glasses taking selfies, the the NTAs, the yeah. non throwback alternates, yeah. he always rocks. You know, he just became a symbolism of like that ignorant Nick fan sort of who just you know boos KP who doesn't like the pick just because they don't know his name he's foreign and obviously KP comes and dominates just like I predicted because I am such oh, a Michael, expert. the know, pretentious I asshole I scout overseas I watch Seville games the Latvian guy I like him you are the, the biggest I read the ever. scouting reports obviously KP comes in and dominates and now all of a sudden this kid just won't go away he's a story because he's a fan of KP he's a fan he's a story because he his ignorance was over sensationalized was sensationalized and then it was put to rest by KP being a dominant force then he you know it was a story because of that now he has a social media account and this kid just represents the the ignorance of the fan base and i hate to like come at a 12 year old but it consistently <laughs> drives me crazy with this kid he i mean i could i almost have some sympathy for him because i guess i was sort of the same way when i was 12 years old i was a huge knicks fan i was you know i didn't buy into everything they did i was probably around the same age when the knicks traded for eddie curry which i hated um, but i did you know even I, when you were 12 you hated that I, I bought into the isaiah hype i loved marbury you know when they brought in donnie walsh and d'antoni i was in high school i still you know i believed in that plan i liked the clear and cap space it was a plan the knicks never even had a plan it was something that we were doing but i could sort of relate to it but this kid is just you know oh trust steve mills scott perry the the sign bringing LeBron LeBron, be the king of New York. That stuff is garbage. And this kid just is always everywhere just because he booed KP and he was an ignorant Knicks fan. And, you know, I don't like the Kevin Knox pick, but to take away Kevin Knox that moment by showing this freaking kid on the screen booing again with his dad who just takes him to every single Knicks fan, probably some rich New York City guy, whatever. I don't really care about what he does or the whole thing just to show him again booing and like we said we didn't like the Kevin Knox pick but our Kevin Knox dislike of that pick is not based on ignorance just to blindly say that like oh we wanted Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. is the best player in the draft you don't know much about Kevin Knox so you boo I don't like that I don't like being grouped into people like that. Yes, that's you annoying. Know, we're, we're, I don't like people saying, oh, you don't like Kevin Knox because you don't understand upside and potential. We understand all that. That's why we wanted Chris Porzingis. We've been talking that's about why we that wanted Frank the Neely years when it comes to these foreign guys. There's a lot of reasons we didn't like Kevin Knox, and that's why we didn't want to do him. But to show this kid on the screen booing, I, I've been so over this kid. I've been holding it back. When he came to... Cleveland or whatever when LeBron I think it was LeBron came to New York I don't think he went to Cleveland but he said you know be the king of New York come prove it I hate that I hate the you know suckering up to LeBron getting on your knees and begging him this kid to me is just symbolic of everything that I do not like about Knicks fans every opinion they have to me he is the worst. He's unbearable. I can't stand him. I had to get this out of my chest. And, you know, this was the moment to do it. The draft just, it, it it took the life out of me. When Not only with the Kevin Knox, but seeing this kid on the screen. Even if he liked the pick, I wouldn't like it. You know? but, it but even more to that, you can sense the ignorance in him. Because after the draft was over... Uh, he obviously was booing. You wanted Michael Porter Jr. There's no secret. But then he posts on his Instagram account like, I didn't boo Kevin Knox because I don't like him. I just, I, it, it was like a, 
a rationalization of his ignorance. And I'm just like, dude, like, stop trying to sugarcoat it. You're going to like everything Knicks do because you are the classic Knicks fan that will blindly trust the management and, because you haven't been alive long enough to become cynical like we have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And he's just a typical sucker. He's a typical sheep who just goes along with everything, who's going to blindly clap and applaud every he move. He is the, the, the face of the yeah. sheep Knicks fans. The, the one who thinks that we have a chance at LeBron, the one who thinks that Fisdale is going to be a great coach because LeBron and Wade say great things about him. We are now going to trust everything we do and buy into Kevin Knox and buy into his potential because that's the buzzwords they like to hear. These Knicks fans to me are just sheep. They're attracted to shiny objects. They're going to clap along and buy into this bullshit culture change that we have going on despite Steve Mills. I, I Like I said, I just that it all comes down to that. I don't understand. How, <laughs> I, I, I just don't understand how Knicks fans could just applaud and act like nothing is wrong when we have so much at stake and we actually have a chance to be good right now, but we have cockroaches in this team. And like I feel like we're just going to look back in five years and everything we're saying is be true. Like, oh my God, the Knicks really had a chance to do something. We had KP, we had these draft picks, we had, you know, these young players. Like, we were so, like, why didn't we see that Steve Mills was bad and was going to run this organization in the ground? It's so obvious. I And this kid just is symbolic of everything to me. I'm just cynical and I'm annoyed. And this kid just bugs me. I, I agree. And that's a good Lennox. And I've held back from going on on social media. I, I told you to proceed with caution. I, I like the way you handled it. You, you you stated your beef. You have relative beef because it's, it's not so much the kid himself it is it's sort of the kid himself but it's also the idea of the kid and what he represents God, when he showed up with the be the king of new york shit, oh that to me God. those are the worst knicks fans because you think we have a shot I, and you want you him. can't be a knick fan and also want lebron to come to the knicks and be a lebron fan it just it doesn't make sense it's a contradictory way of thinking that's a fact so with that good lennox rant i agree with it and let me move in on my lennox rant let me take over the reins let me have the ball in my court per se. You got the rock. You I got, got the rock. rock. And um, you said, you see, like your uh, Lennox rant was about sideshows that took over the NBA yes. draft. See, you thought that it was the crying Knicks fan. Yes. To me, it was something completely different. And this is what my Lennox rant is about. Because the NBA draft this year had a media blackout policy. I'm not sure if you... Have you seen this? Have you heard of this? Yeah. Uh, you think I'm not aware of this? Oh, oh pretentious Mike. Of course he heard about it. But there was a media blackout, blackout policy for the NBA draft to kind of keep fans on their toes, to not give away picks. Uh, looking at Adrian Wojnarowski, who is what this uh, Lennox rant... Yeah, I'm going to call him Wojnarowski. I think I nailed the last name actually, but I'm did. not. I'm not going to do it twice. I don't in have a row. enough evidence to back. That I, 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 I will cut my losses while I got it. So, um, looking at Woj, it was pretty much. I'm, I'm going to call it the Woj rules of the NBA draft. It was a thrill ride. Don't ruin the NBA draft. Woj says, "Hold my beer, real quick." Yeah. He tried his hardest to find his way around the rules and succeeded in ruining the draft for everybody by not giving away and giving away picks at the same exact time. And I made a little compilation list. Well, it started out as like the NBA draft, the top six picks are shaping out like shaping this. That's it. how yeah. it started. That's how it started. He literally leaked the top six picks. Yes. Like, just like, oh, it's looking the, like, it's looking like, like, like it was his opinion almost. Yes. Like, oh, it's shaping out. Like, I think this is going to happen. So I made a little list, a little compilation list of stuff, uh, words, click words, buzzwords that – Woj decided to use to work his way around the media blackout policy. And these get good. Like, they're really good. Like, he really dug deep into his vocabulary to say this is who the team is taking without saying this is who the team is taking. So I'm going to just go down my list. Stop me if you have anything to say, okay? I got locked in, focused on selecting, zeroing in on, prefers, targeting, seriously considering, Cleared the way to choose. That's a good one. That's a good one. Determined to select. This is a good one, too. I like this one. Fixated on. Fixated on is great. No plans to pass on. That might be the best one. If he falls, no plans to pass on. I think this one is my favorite just buzzword. Enamored with. Enamored. Enamored with. Enamored. And a mort. (laughs) That's what Michael said when we were watching it. But this one is, is my favorite one just because... 
I, I don't know. It's just the way it's it's worded. I think Boston is tantalized by Robert Williams. Yeah, they're interested. In, they're tantalized. They're tantalized. I don't, doesn't I, mean they're gonna pick him, but I don't think they pass up on him. Yeah. So that's gonna be my let it rant. Woj, I'm not gonna do it. Woj stole the show he last did. night. He really did. He stole the show last night. If you were following him on Twitter, we ignored him for the Knicks pick. Uh, he leaked it a little bit earlier, but the um, guy just proved how much of a legend. Yeah, he is. he's a legend. His sources are the best, and he just made that into a total show. And he announced the Donkic trade before it happened. Say, you know, that the Mavs are the Donkic. And he just happened to say, oh, they're going to swap and they're going to get Trey Young. Yeah. Before, so, before, so he leaked the fifth pick before the third pick was made. <laughs> and, you know, Memphis still had to pick it for. Um, they obviously knew they weren't going to take Trey Young. He knew they weren't going to take Trey Young. Um, I don't know. The guy, you can't stop him. You can't hold him down. One final uh, word before we get into our conclusion of Season 2, Episode 32. Speaking of Memphis, um, Trey Young would have been the opposite of what Memphis mold is. And in the second round, they got exactly what the Memphis mold is yes. with Javon Carter. We're big Javon Carter guys that, that, podcast. I, I think that that's a the sensational thing. The guy is a thing. throwback player. I could definitely see another 10-year career as like a gritty-ass you know, great defender, and he's he proved me wrong with his uh, in the NCAA tournament. I thought they were an early exit. His offensive skills is underrated. I'm a big fan of his. A uh, big, big fan. I, he looks like a 40 year old in a yes, 20 year old's body, but he's, he's a grown ass he, but, but, man. But, but, but he Memphis, plays like he, a man. He's, a, he's just a grown ass. He man. demands respect. He is a grown ass. He demands man. respect on the court. He's Patrick Beverly of the future. And with that, that is going to conclude season two, episode 32 Historic of the Lennox podcast. Season two, Historic, episode Because Michael's in the Silicon Valley. First time in a recording studio in general, I'm Why pretty sure. Why do stop doing Take Me Home during the exits? We do do Take Me Home. Oh. I, I just don't play them. Oh, I, I do would, that I, I would like to hear it like because I'm in the studio. I thought like maybe we'd get a little touch of that. When we recorded in your apartment, we didn't play it. I I added it. Uh, I, 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 was, I was expecting it in the studio. See, okay, master my mic with his technological genius. He watches games in Spain, but he doesn't know how to work a computer. I was expecting <laughs> a little like vibe, like going uh, out. I, well, they're going to hear it at home when they listen. That's the important part. I hope you enjoy but, it. But I speaking right of, of technology and technological mogul Silicon Valley Midwest. This is all Silicon talk. This is Silicon talk. Um, I, I mean, I have to give the friends of the podcast something to take home with them, you know, Thank a little you. piece of advice. And the way I like to present it is if Steve Jobs comes up to you, uh, you know, 30 years ago in the, in the 1980s, and he's like, hey, what's going on, That's man? Steve Jobs I, I'm voice. Steve Jobs. I got a little tech company started up in my basement, in my garage. I'm a little dumb. I'm a good tech guy. Good tech guy. Good and uh, you know what? I got this thing in my garage. You give me $10. I, I'll make you a billionaire. I, the only thing I'm struggling on is the name. I don't know what I'm going to call it. The working title. I, I I, 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 going with uh, vegetables. I, 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 vegetables. Vegetables are fruit. Well, maybe legumes. Uh, <laughs> but it could be zucchini, squash, <laughs> eggplant, parmesan. I don't know the name yet. Uh, I don't know the name yet. It, it, it could be anything. Edamame, maybe. Uh, let's go a little Asian. But, but I know it's going to be huge. It can make you a billion. If you're looking back on that situation and you turn that down, you'd have to be a moron. And I'm Never offer- turn down a guy with that kind of voice. Definitely he not. comes in an offer, you take you it. You take it. And, of course, what I'm getting at, I'm offering you a similar situation by offering our friends of the podcast koozies. Koozies, 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 koozies. And what can I say that has not been said before? Flying off the shelf. Flying off the shelf. Form and function. Form and function. Style and grace. Style and grace. Slapping away like defense Slapping if you go to like region. if you go to region. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, attracts the opposite sex. Attracts the opposite sex. Or the same sex. Or the same sex. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We don't judge. We don't judge. Michael, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong. Definitely nothing wrong with that. Michael, they're the greatest invention of all time. Why is that? They're the greatest of all, invention of all times. I think if you ask any one of your friends, somebody you considered a woke individual is not blinded by the media hype, what the greatest invention of all time is. And, you know, they're not, they're woke. They're not going to say the wheel fire like the media wants you to think is the greatest invention of all time. They would answer quickly without even taking a breath the koozie's the greatest invention of all time you know before the koozie we were holding our beverages with our bare hands your hand gives off heat it is absorbed by the can it's a contact that should never happen neanderthals it's neanderthal barbaric. it's barbaric type behavior the koozie serves as a protective barrier 
in between your hand and the beverage. It keeps your hands nice and warm while you're drinking, no matter the conditions. Maybe you're outside and you know you don't want to hold a cold beverage when it's cold. It keeps your beverage cool and refreshing, no matter the situation. Maybe you're drinking outside, it's warm out, you know, your beer can get hot very quickly. It's the greatest invention of all time. Enter our koozie specifically. I'm surprised we don't have one to show off right now because we're live, but you guys have all seen them. It's on our social media. It's on everything. It's everywhere right now. It's sweeping the nation. It features our fallen brother of La Resistance, Mindaugas Kuzminskis, who has personally endorsed the koozie, who has personally owned koozies. You know, if you are a member like us of La Resistance, you're not buying into Steve Mills. You know, you're sort of a, a critic uh, you have an opinion, basically, unlike some of these other sheep, and you want to join La Resistance, these koozies are for you. They're the greatest koozies of all time. The koozie is the greatest invention of all time. So by the transitive property, isto facto, our koozies are the greatest invention of all time. Greatest invention Flying of all time, and you got to get them while the getting is good. And Michael, if they want to purchase said koozie, how may they go about doing that? Well, you could first go about it by going on our website and purchase them directly under the merch tab. Our website is the hottest Knicks website in the game. That, of course, is www.thelenix.com. That's www.t-h-e-l-e-k-n-i-c-k-s. Another way to go about it would be to go on our social media. You've heard all about it. If you're watching live, you're with us on social media. We're the bad boys, the renegade guys, social media. You know what it is. If you're not following it, I don't know what you're doing. The social media handle is at the underscore Lennox. That's at T-H-E underscore L-E-K-N-I-C-K-S. And you can direct message us if you want to buy a koozie. Direct message us for basically anything. Yeah, and hit us up, guys. We love hearing from our friends of the podcast. We would love to hook you up with a koozie, but we would love to hear from you even more. If you have an opinion, you want us to post about something, you want to hear our opinion on something, uh, you want to be on the podcast. It happens. Fe- uh, happened plenty of times. Feel free. We are always open to our friends of the podcast. We are very interactive with all you guys. Always. And, Negative uh, or positive. We'll, we always respond. We don't run. Ex- we don't run, that's for sure. And we love hearing from all of you guys. So with that, that is going to conclude Season 2, Episode 30. Historic season two. Live from the Silicon Valley to Midwest. When it gets released, it won't be live. But it's live on Instagram. So I guess it is live. So live season two, episode 32 of the Lennox Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And as always, I will leave you. joining us as in me in the studio as well. Yes. Joining us, not joining me. Did I say me? No, you said us. Us. I just wanted to emphasize that I'm here. Thanks for joining us today. And with that, as always, I will leave you with this. Go Knicks. Go Orange and Blue. And stay faithful. Go New York. Go New York. Go.